Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Maddie Moon and today we have a fantastic guest. His name is Mark Sklar and he for more than 15 years has been helping couples struggling to conceive have healthy babies. In addition to his master's of science, Mark trained at the Harvard Medical School, Mind Body Medical Institute, and he is the creator of MarkSklar.com and Reproductive Wellness. And he's the co-author of Secret to Conception. Mark lives in San Diego with his wife and two sons. And if you're ready to start a family, Mark can definitely help with that. And as we all know, that has a great deal to do with your fertility, your hormones, your metabolism, all that stuff that we strive to strengthen in this podcast and help people who once experienced experienced um, damaging behaviors, obsessive dieting, overexercising, and got themselves into trouble with their metabolism, this is a great guy for you to follow. And you'll get a really good taste in this episode on what Mark is all about and the stuff that he works with. But I'm going to really recommend uh, recommend that you go to his website, marksklar.com or and reproductivewellness.com because you can get so much information there. He has a great um, channel on YouTube and he's just really fascinating. He has a lot to offer. Um, a little warning in advance, this episode is a little choppy. And that is because we didn't have the best Skype connection. Skype is such an amazing thing, but at the same time, it kind of sucks at times. So I had to do the best of my ability to string these um, this episode together, where there were a lot of like um, choppy moments, but hopefully it's okay. I don't plan for that to happen often. I don't think it really has happened often, but I think you'll still be able to get the message from this episode and Hopefully, my uh, stringing together isn't that bad. <laughs> um, okay, so before we jump into this awesome episode, I want to quickly give you the review of the week, and it's five stars from Steph Loves These Podcast, and she says, amazing. I love these podcasts. It's helping me so much, and I'm learning so much about health and overall wellness. I am all about learning new things, and these podcasts are also helping me get back to the roots of normal eating and what is normal based on my background. Thanks so much. Um, That is fantastic. That makes me so happy. And while normal eating may sound like one of the most scary concepts ever, if you haven't been doing it for a while, it is possible. It is possible. And and of course, there'll be moments where life gets stressful and things get hectic and you want to cling to those coping mechanisms that your body has been using for so long, like dieting, obsessing, even binge eating, because that's filling a void in your heart and it's a distraction and it's numbing. Whatever it may be, normal eating, which quote normal, as in the eating that works for you is possible. So I highly encourage you to just keep filling your lives with these really amazing people that I have on the show, their messages. But remember, not everything is black and white and not everything is for you. So listen to your gut, listen to your intuition. She knows best. Um, And hopefully that is a good tidbit. So real quickly, I just want to say thank you again to everyone that leaves these reviews. You are so incredible, and I hope that I'm giving back in some way by acknowledging you on the podcast. And every time you leave a review on my website, you are supporting the podcast, and you're helping me and my ranking on the iTunes charts. Because iTunes ranks shows by how many people say, I like this, five stars. That's how it knows what podcast to you know, put at the top of the list. The higher I get on the list, the more people I reach, um, the more this podcast 
is just staying alive and well and being introduced to more people. So if you think this is a message people need, leave a review, send this link to a friend. Another way you can support the podcast, as you know from last week when I told you, is to become a patron. And you can do that by going to maddiemoon.com slash pledge. And there you will see how you can support the podcast and the rewards you get for doing so. So without further ado, let's go head on over to this fantastic show. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Well, Mark, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks so much, Maddie. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'm excited to be here as well. I think that what you talk <clears throat> about and what your job is and what you're putting out in the world is so extremely important. And it's something that is going to resonate with a lot of my listeners just because um, many people have suffered from some sort of um, fertility issue, whether it's PCOS, but I don't think everyone fully understands where it comes from. So I think it's, this is going to be an excellent topic for us to dive into. Yeah. I, you know, I'm passionate about the subject and, and I love talking about anything that has to do with women's health and reproductive health. So I'm looking forward to, to what the conversation leads to. So why don't you go ahead and dive into your background and what led you to the career that you've chosen for yourself? How did you get here today? Well, you know, when I was young, um, probably my early teens, I started dealing with some digestive issues myself um, and, you know, quickly came to realize that's that's no fun for myself or anybody else involved. Um, and through the prompting of one of my relatives, um, she suggested that I start to see an acupuncturist. And at the time, I didn't quite, you know, I was too young and I didn't quite understand why the two would go together. Um, and so I actually ignored her and, and until I went to college and, and realized that things had gotten a little too bad for me and, and I really wasn't feeling well. Um, <clears throat> and it was really the the, the first step in um, a series of steps that led me to where I am today. Um, it, it really profoundly influenced my health um, and the direction of my life and my digestive system and my health. And funny enough, I, I think looking back on it, she was probably the least skilled acupuncturist that I've ever gone to myself, but it just shows the the strength and the, and the um, beauty of the medicine itself. And so uh, I decided to go to Chinese medicine school. Um, and while I was in school, one of my mentors um, had her own clinic and, and I started following her and assisting her through her clinic um, through the entire four years of my education. And it quickly um, became known to me that women's health would be something that I would pursue and, and have a big interest in. She, 
her her focus was in women's health, and I really didn't know what that was or or how or how our medicine worked with it. Um, but found out and found out how profound it was. And then through in my last year of school, when we were interns, one of my first patients came in and she um, she had PCOS and she was trying to get pregnant. And um, with about five months of working with me, she she fell pregnant and um, pretty much everything moved forward from there because it was it was an easy decision when you can see that profound effect you have on somebody, you help them start a family, they have children, you see the joy and the happiness on their face. You know, it's it's an easy path to take as long as it's something that interests you. And it was something that greatly interests me. So that was that was pretty much the the series of events that led me to uh, to where I am today. Oh, that's so so powerful! I can't even imagine helping someone start a family after them trying over and over and not knowing what's going wrong and being able to help them find the solution to that. So, I'm curious about. Some of the when are some of the main women's health issues that you see today? The ones that you treat. You know, I treat a whole variety, and as my practice has grown over the last fifteen years, I I, I feel like I tend, tend to see more complex cases, and I'm not sure if a lot of that is because of the way our culture and our environment is evolving and changing, or if now I'm just you know more skilled, and and so I am and I am seeing more complex conditions, but. Regardless, some of the foundational things that I tend to see quite a bit of, um, one, I, as I mentioned before, is PCOS. It's it's one of the more common um, endocrine disorders for women. And so I see quite a bit of PCOS, both the, the more common form of it and the more um, uncommon form of it. The I see endometriosis. Um, I see a lot of women... Um, basically from 35 to 45. And so I see a lot of advanced maternal age and poor ovarian reserve, women who have been told they're too old, their eggs is poor. So I, I do see quite a bit of that. Um, I don't really like a lot of that terminology and I don't believe in it too much because um, I've seen such amazing things happened over time, but um, that's what they get categorized into. Can you say I that do- one more time? Because you got cut off when you said the term. Oh, sorry. Um, poor ovarian reserve, advanced maternal age, mm. um, premature ovarian failure. Those terms are terms that really just, they don't sound too good, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and any woman that, that gets told that diagnosis by their um, fertility doctor really starts to go down a path of negativity and, and they start to question if they can really have children. So I don't really like the terms too much, but that's really what gets used quite a bit. Um, and then there's um, ovarian cysts, fibroids, um, amenorrhea. Um, you know, those are probably the more common ones. And some of the ones I didn't mention is I do see quite a bit of women who have autoimmune issues as well as other endocrine issues like uh, thyroid disease. And um, all of that plays a big role. What about um, amenorrhea? Can you go into that and explain more? about how that is developed and what are some of the warning signs of having that? Sure. So I'm in its, in its uh, pure definition, amenorrhea is um, a lack of a menstrual cycle. And, uh, you know, women with that will not be ovulating or not ovulating regularly. And so um, the, like PCOS is a condition um, uh, under the category of amenorrhea. Um but it's a little bit different in terms of how it how it functions. So amenorrhea can come on for a lot of different reasons. 
Um, the main issue going on is that it's there's something going on in the in the um, pituitary that's causing a hormone dysregulation, and so the, the fundamentally what I find practically in practice is that stress, exercise, um, dietary irregularities, those sorts of things really contribute to um, and contribute profoundly to an irregular cycle or no ovulation. Um, and so when I start to work with patients, that's kind of how I, that's to some degree, that's where I start because that's some of the foundational work that, that we need to do. Yeah. And the whole stress thing, I feel like in our day and age, people are looking for ways to just like continuously load up their stress plate and (laughs) then their period disappears. And then they wonder why. And I don't think you have heard my story. So I'll go ahead and quickly share with you my personal experience with this. I've actually lost my period three times. The first time I lost it, I was in high school and I just started my initial period of getting really obsessed with uh, losing weight and I didn't need to lose weight to begin with, but I started to exercise. Um, I mean, I was spending about an hour a day on the elliptical. Like I wouldn't get off till I burnt a certain amount of calories. I was just crazy obsessed. I couldn't eat unless I did that. And then I lost my period for about six months. I took uh, a dose of, I forgot what it was, um, some medication and then I got my period back and then happened again (laughs) happened again when I did my first bodybuilding competition I was working out um twice a day eating very 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 little I mean very little lost my period I was like whatever at least I'm very thin it's worth it you know just that really disordered mindset and then I got it back was on birth control then um about a a year and a half ago I I finished my second, actually two years ago, I finished my second competition, fitness competition, lost my period again, but I didn't know because I was on the birth control. I got off the birth control. Then I didn't have my period and I didn't have it for a full year until this past February when I got it on Valentine's Day. And I thought <laughs> that was my body's way of saying, thank you for loving us finally. Uh, here you go. And it was pretty cool, but it was definitely, um, I mean, three times, I feel like that's quite a lot for, you know, I'm 23, so I feel like that's a bit of, I don't know exactly what it was, though, because I didn't get tested for anything, so I don't know if it was, I mean, would you call that probably around PCOS or something like that, if it was under eating and over exercising? You know, possibly, thank you so much for for sharing your story, because I I really didn't know it, Um, but it's what you're telling me is exactly what I hear often. And um, when I start tracing back, because I do a lot of investigative work with my patients. And so when I start tracing back their history, their reproductive history, their reproductive cycles, invariably women who have chronic amenorrhea, it, it stems back to their um, to their high school and teenage years. It's that crucial time when hormones are shifting and changing and they're, and, Um, Our bodies are changing. We're very much influenced by what we're doing, what we're eating. Just like you said, whether it's sports or you're just exercising because you want to lose weight, you you are putting this massive stress on on your body that not necessarily intended to be that way, especially at that age. Um, And so you've got this hormonal shift. You've got this increased exercise, potential calorie. It just clicks and it causes this trigger in the endocrine system that causes an ovulation 
and miss cycles. And so for you, you, you're really young at 23 to have it three times, but unfortunately this is something that I hear often. And, and I just started working with a woman who's, um, she's 15 years old and she's, uh, she's a triplet between all her sisters, um, how things are developing for each one and why. And so we can kind of, we can track things a little bit easier, which is great for me because I don't always have that opportunity. And you can see these changes and these variations. And um, she's she exercises a lot. She plays a lot of sports. She plays soccer. And sure enough, she just she doesn't get her cycle, or maybe she gets it like two or three times a year. Um, and so that's not uncommon. And once you start on that cycle, it's hard to break it, um, especially if you have an OBGYN or your pediatrician at that age who's just going to put you on Provera, which is progesterone to kind of trigger your cycle to start. Um, it's tricking your body. You know, it's not really dealing with the underlying issue that's causing this dysregulation. And ideally we want to, we want to treat that main issue. And, and so like in, in the instance of this 15 year old, she's all on board. She's, you know, she's really willing to listen and, and to, and to make the changes, um, but we have to talk to her coaches because her coaches want her to do push-ups and run and exercise twice a day and train and so on. And, and so that, that's a change that needs to happen for her. Um, she could train, but we have to be careful in terms of how she. Are you there? I'm here. Okay, cool. I think you cut out at the very end of that. Okay. So, wow, that's really intense at 15 years old. So would you say that sometimes when you go through these things when you're younger and you push your body to extreme limits, it has repercussions later, later on in life? So like people right now that are in their mid-30s that are suffering from PCOS, it could have been triggered from something in high school or their younger days? Oh, yeah, absolutely. These things compound. They build on one another, right? So um, and, and I feel like now are, you know, when I was growing up, yeah, I played sports, but my my mother, my parents didn't, you know, truck me from one activity to another and all over the place. And now I feel like kids are overprogrammed and, and they've got so many different things that they want to do because parents are trying to figure out like, oh, what do they love and what should they do? So they're going from music class to soccer to whatever else. Right. And so you're you, we have all these things available to us now that we didn't when I was growing up and even before then. So parents feel like they need to do this. And I feel like they push their kids a little too much. And so all of these different things, whether it's over-programming, too much exercise, dysregulation with your diet, all of these things are stressors on the body. So we tend to think of stress as emotional stress, and, and, and certainly that is one of them. But when you have all these other stressors, they affect our body and our endocrine system and hormones Some how we're doing it and so you have to think of um your health as uh, over a, a lifetime and so all of these things that you did when we were younger whether we had choices for them or not they influence our our whole life whatever age we are and so we have to um we have to take that into consideration for ourselves and for our children and then at the same time it doesn't mean that you can't improve your current health it just means that it's probably going to take a little bit longer to make those changes. Um, and it's going to potentially take a little bit more effort on your part to make those changes. Doing what you do, since stress is 
comes in so many different forms. Do you feel like a lot of times you serve also as a counselor and help people deal with these problems <laughs> emotionally? I'm sure that you get tons of stories and have to talk through these things with people. I do. I, I mean, I absolutely feel that way. Um, I unfortunately don't have tons of time to go into that because that could just be hours in and of itself. But I, I do try to have resources for patients. Um, I do have ways that they can manage these things and people they can talk to to, to hopefully deal with some of the, the additional stressors on their life. Mm-hmm. Okay, I assumed so. So let's take, um, let's talk about exercise. So a lot of the people that listen to this show I know personally, just from emails, come from a place very similar to me, Um, whether now they're into CrossFit, they're into bodybuilding, and they're trying to make that transition from those higher intensity uh, workout programs over to um, more enjoyable, stressless things such as yoga, stretching, walking, because they want their periods back. And I know this is such a very difficult thing to do when you're used to pushing your body and pushing your body and pushing your body and not feeling like a walk is a real workout, (laughs) which is a whole different matter because the whole mindset of having to have a workout is where a lot of issues take place in the first place. But someone that's going from these high intense workouts, going over to stressless Um, easier things on the body, that makes a huge difference over time, right? It's not going to be a big change all of a sudden, but if you stick with it and you continuously decrease stress from your life where you can, that's a great stepping stone over to getting your period back and healing that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think you said it perfectly. Um, You know, I I see a lot of patients who are into these intense workouts um, and you, and you, they're trying to transition over to yoga. And for many people, yoga can be intense, especially the type of yoga. So I think just because yoga sounds um, more relaxing doesn't always make it doesn't make it so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have whether you're training for a triathlon, you're doing CrossFit, um, you're doing yoga or Bikram yoga, hot yoga. You know, those are all actually big stressors on the body and all the yoga instructors that i see as patients in my practice they all practice ashatanga or they practice hot yoga or they teach it so um and then i see tons of crossfit um patients as well and so you know our bodies were not meant to endure these sorts of intense workouts continually when, uh, traditionally, our we moved a lot. We we didn't sit a lot. We we stood. We walked. We moved. Exercise. We didn't like have to plan in our day that we're going to go exercise today. Now we live in a different culture, and so things are a little bit different now. And we do have to kind of um, carve out some time for that. However, it doesn't have to be these crazy intense workouts as long as it's continuous. Now. It doesn't mean you can't do some of those things, but those things shouldn't be done every day um, or even four or five times a week. Our body back to more of our ancestors. Yes, they did some intense things, but they did them very sparingly. Um, you know, they let's say they had to build something or they had to um, go for long distances to, to get somewhere or 
let's say unfortunately they were being you know attacked by an animal or somebody else then they had to fight and move and and save themselves right so then they were built to do those intent um for a short period of time and it wasn't as frequent as we do them today and those are all big stressors on our bodies um over a period of time so i do try to really encourage patients to get out there, move, take long walks, go for long hikes, go backpacking and go for long hikes. But don't put these crazy intense workouts as a regular routine on your body. It's, it's too much of a stress and it's too difficult on your, um, on your endocrine system and, and specifically for my patients on their reproductive systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so generally, do you have people just cut back to one or two times per week to do these kind of intense things if they really demand it? Yeah, you know, again, like as you as you just pointed um, out, it's going to depend on pers- from each patient to patient, right? It's all patient dependent and on what they're doing, what their lifestyle requires, and what their body requires. But yeah, in general, I am cutting patients back. I, I treat a woman who has PCOS, um, and when you were telling your story, I thought about her because she's also a bodybuilder as well, and um, she, she does competitions, and and certainly. Um, you know, she struggled with her menstrual cycles off and on over the years. And um, and so with her changing some of those things, getting her to pull back on her exercise routine takes some effort because that's a big part of her life, it, as you probably can relate to. And so, you know, she, we've got to be careful of how we do it, but I do try to pull back. She still likes to go to the gym, so we got to tweak what she's doing. Um, but absolutely, you know, you've got to, you've got to cut back on your days and your days of intense workout and your intensity as well. So those two go hand in hand. Okay. So let's say someone finally gets their period back and they're so excited and they're ready to keep it, but they also want to be safe. What do you have to say about birth control? Is there a, like a, a method that you think is the best, the safest? Because I know you help people get pregnant, but what if they're not wanting to get pregnant and they just want their period back? What kind of uh, precautions or do you just tell people to, you know, wear condoms and like be safer or what do you have to say about that? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a good question. Um, you know, I, uh, my biggest, uh, my, my biggest recommendation and, and my favorite thing when it comes to contraception is the condom. Um, it allows everyone to not have to put in extra chemicals into their body. I'm not a big fan of the birth control pill unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, and so I think the pill over time causes too much, too, too many issues, especially for women who have amenorrhea and irregular menstrual cycles. It's, it's too much of a disruptor. So I prefer not to. And, and look, the reality is, is I think when it comes to this, because women are the ones who have to carry the child, bear the most uh, burden um, when it comes to contraception. And so everyone defers to them and says, oh, it's just easy for you to take the pill. So just take the pill. You know, I think the the, the partner, the man in, in the relationship needs to also take some responsibility and take responsibility for their actions when it comes to intercourse and contraception. And I think a condom is really the easy way to go. Certainly, does it feel no, and it, but it's certainly safer. And once a woman truly has a regular cycle, it's predictable within a couple of days, um, it's consistent um, from cycle to cycle, then the reality is, is they only really have to be careful during their ovulation window. And so if you give yourself 
a week's time where you really have to be careful. The rest of the time, you can, you're pretty much free to have intercourse the way you want. Mm -hmm. I recently got the um, non-hormonal IUD because uh -huh. I, you know, I did a lot of research. I figured that it was probably the best thing for me to do right now. Mm -hmm. And now I just, oh gosh, I feel like sometimes I'm just on a constant period. And I don't know if it's because of that or if it's because of my body finally catching up or what it could be from. But now I've just started tracking, um, tracking more closely so I can see if there are any patterns sure. going on. But it's, it's just like sometimes I feel like you just can't win. <laughs> like it's yeah, just one it's or the other. Yeah, it's hard. And um, how long have you been on it? How, how um, much time? I, th I want to say three months. To yeah, there's the first three to six months, things can be off and it causes a disruption in your cycle. Um, so you kind of have to see where you're like in a, in a couple months from now and, and see if it's still worth it for you. Um, my only concern with, with uh, the IUD is that it also can cause scarring. Yeah, because the tissue realizes there's a foreign substance there and it starts to kind of you know, protect itself. Um, and so I'm thinking long-term for patients to try to, you know, if they're trying to get pregnant later, then concern is what does that scarring do and how does it contribute to fertility issues later on? So that's my concern with it. Typically, what does scarring do? Well, it depends where the scarring is, but it's going to basically block um, the opening potentially. It's also going to cause um, a you want you want the tissue in the cervix and in the uterine environment in the uterine wall to be nice and fluffy like um, fertile soil right you're, you're trying to plant a garden um, so you got to think of it that way and when you put this in there it basically starts to harden the tissue around it and cause it to um, to scar and so that's not really the environment you want for for fertility Oh no, <laughs> that's good to know I yeah it's it's interesting how different, um, practitioners will tell different things. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because that's not something that was thoroughly like discussed. It was all just like benefits, benefits, benefits. So that's good to know. Like I'm glad to get all sides of the coin so I can understand it. Um, all right. Maybe they're just trying to um, give you the best option for what they think is best for you now. They don't look too far into the future. Right, right. It's not, yeah, that's not super safe. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk with you about is how food can play a part in helping women get their periods back so they can have beautiful little babies and specifically, um, fat in the diet. Cause you know, obviously there's been this low fat craze and I know personally from watching your videos, you definitely think that fat plays a huge role in helping women get their periods back. So can you go into a little bit more about that? Sure. Uh, you know, I think most of us, <clears throat> men and women, are undernourished. We're a little bit malnourished um, in our culture. And some of that also goes back to our over-exercising and our intense exercises, because that's going to um, kind of deplete our body as well. So I really want to bring more nourishment um, and more nutrients back to the body. And fat is one of those key things. Traditionally, we were never on these low-fat diets um, I mean, most people until modern times didn't even know what low fat was. Um, and everything that's low fat was kind of created 
for us as a as a culture it wasn't it wasn't something that came naturally from our our food and our environment <clears throat> so we were meant to have fat our fats really important for um, nourishing our hormones helping us to regulate and balance our hormones um, it's really our muscle tissue and our endocrine system so i'm a big proponent of increasing fat in your diet um, in various ways and every time i look at someone's diet invariably and and they and i'll have patients all the time who say yeah i have uh, i eat really well i have a great diet um there's probably not much for you to do really the one thing that's typically missing is fat we just don't get enough fat in our diet at any given meal and so i think it's essential for us to increase that increase the nourishment to our cells to our hormones um, and to the endocrine system so that our hormones can start to do what they were intended to do. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting for most of us that we don't understand or we don't, we're not aware of is we tend to think of uh, cholesterol as being bad for us. You know, you've mentioned cholesterol. Someone's first thought is, oh, that's terrible. It's going to kill us. Well, cholesterol is actually a hormone and it's, it's at the top of the cascade of hormones and it feeds all of our other um, reproductive hormones. So we need more fat in our diets to actually create a balanced um, hormone cascade. And so I have patients who they tell me, oh, my cholesterol is great. And when I look at it, it's really, really low. And that's not a good sign for me. Um, and invariably they have um, some sort of dysregulation in their um, reproductive system when I see that. Oh, mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like I still know cholesterol is like not bad but when I still hear that word I get these like I'm like oh cholesterol oh god and it's like I, I understand the facts that the cholesterol is not bad and we need it it's just so interesting how collectively as a as a whole we all believe this idea about cholesterol <laughs> um so what oh, are yeah. <laughs> what are some ways that we can create that good cholesterol or like just put fats into our diet what are some good fats that you recommend to your clients um, I love coconut oil. I love um, avocados, even avocado oil and olive oil um, when they're not cooked, um, when they're raw. And I love um, butter and ghee. Um, for those who don't know what ghee is, it's a clarified butter. They use it a lot in Indian culture. Um, it's a little bit um, tastier, I think, than, than uh, regular butter for us. So I tend to use that a little bit more. Um, but it's, 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 so that's those are my recommendations and with my kids my kids love butter so anytime they're we're anywhere they always want to put butter on everything and i don't stop them have as much as you want i don't really care go ahead so <laughs> you'll get you get people who look at you a little strange when you start saying that to to people but it's okay <laughs> and i'm gonna go out on a limb and guess that another really awesome benefit of adding more fat into your diet is that you're adding more calories and your body needs those calories in order to start you know, being fertile again and I get your period back. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you add a lot more flavor to things as well. A long time ago. And he used to say, I cook with a lot of love. And I'm like, well, I'm sure a lot of cooks cook with a lot of love. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, for me, butter is love. The more butter I put in my food, the more love I put into my food. <laughs> I love it. I love that. And yeah. wh what about, okay. So what about carbohydrates? Because Let's take an example here. Um, someone who does CrossFit, 
someone who eats extremely low, low carb, um, someone that has stress with work, and they don't have their period. So there are a lot of different factors that can come from this, whether it be CrossFit or stress from work or not sleeping well, um, maybe even not eating enough carbs. Because I know for me personally, when I was eating lower carbohydrates and more fat, I wasn't having my period either. Like at one point, one mm -hmm. of those three times. So for me, adding carbohydrates into my diet helped tremendously. I don't know if it was a combination of um, not fearing carbs anymore because for so long carbs were like, oh no, off limits. And then I started to give myself more freedom to just eat what I wanted, when I wanted it, how much of it I wanted. And a year later, I got my period back. But So obviously it took time. But I think that being able to have just the freedom in itself to eat more carbohydrates as well because I was already eating the fat but I wasn't eating the carbs is that something that you typically see or see like sometimes just people coming in and not eating many carbs and that's kind of the missing element for them yeah you know it's it's I try to work on nutrition very individualized from patient to patient and so um even for myself I'll go periods of time where I don't need a lot of carbs but there's other times where I do um, some of it is seasonal and some of it is just my activity level. So there, there has to be a good balance. We all need some carbs in our diet. The question is, does our diet need to be overrun by carbs, right? Does that need to be the predominant food um, and piece of our meal every time? And so I think there just needs to be overall just a better, better balance. For some women, when we're looking at we carbs and for others like you said for yourself you know we've got to add a little bit in um it's just finding the right balance for each person um and i i really try to not believe that there's a one diet fits all um and and i try to get away from that mentality um do i have certain tendencies that i lean because i see that they work over and over but in general um I try to have a little bit more balance and it depends a lot of it depends on their diagnosis what's going on right so someone who has a lot more autoimmune issues or we know that they have pcos then we might have to be a little bit more careful with their carb intake or find a better balance between that and some of the other nutrients like fat and protein in their diet um so it's really just about finding that right balance from person to person Mm, yeah, I love that so much. And I'm so I'm so grateful that you see it that way. And I feel I feel like our um, our main practitioners like in this world, this online space, people that are taking a stand in the online space, they're starting to say that more and more now that you never like used to not do that. But I'm just really grateful that more and more people are saying like it really, truly does come down to what works for the individual, what that body happens to thrive on the most. Um, OK, so. What do you do you work with people going through menopause too? like just the transition of leaving your period, like your period leaving you? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, once you start dealing with women's health, you, you kind of see all of that. Um, so, yeah, I see that. I see that quite a bit. And, and my rules for treating that don't necessarily change too much, although you have to take into consideration where they are in love. It's all about balance. Right. So you're trying to balance their hormones and balance their life and reduce their stress. Okay, I get some emails from listeners of this show that are going through that. And unfortunately, I don't have much to say about it because I don't really understand it myself. So this will be really helpful for them to hear just a tidbit or two about this period of their life and what's exactly in their control and what's not. Because 
with menopause, I understand from what I understand, a lot of things can happen that you really aren't in control of, such as like weight gain. And that's just a hormone shift, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. So with weight gain, what do you advise your clients to do as that happens? Do they sit back and watch and just reduce the stress? Do they have to accept it? Or is there a way to control it? Or is it just something that your body has to go through for some people? I mean, your, your body has to make a transition and it's going to make some changes. But uh, there are plenty of women who go through menopause and don't gain weight. Um, and there's whole cultures, primarily in Asia, who go through who go through this, you know, supposed menopause and they have no issues whatsoever. So, um, you know, I think a lot of it is, is cultural, is environmental. I think a lot of it is under our control if we want to make it under our control, if we want to make the changes um, and control our environment and control the shifts and changes that we want to see. So I think it really, some of it just depends on um, who we are. Some of us constitutionally are built a certain way, and some of those things will be out of our control. But it's finding out what those things are and then learning to live with it and learning to control those as best as we can. Um, But it all comes back to the fundamentals, getting enough sleep, eating the right foods, exercise and managing our stress. And if we can do those things, then most of I believe that most other things start to back up. And some of us need a little bit more uh, guidance and a little bit more push in a certain direction. And so that's where a healthcare provider can come in and kind of nudge their body and and support them as they need. Mm -hmm. Okay, I love it. So before we head on over to the quick fire round, which I'm just going to shoot some questions at you, very simple, um, nothing to be afraid of. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share with us? um, And also to tell my listeners where they can find you. So you cut out for a second, but I think you said, do I have anything else to share and where can they find me? So Yeah. um, yeah, I mean, really just, I find that patients need to give, be patient with themselves and give themselves an opportunity to be successful. And so if that means you need a little bit of support and someone to guide you, that's great. And if you feel like you can do it yourself, that's also great. But really just support yourself, be kind to yourself, and give yourself a little bit of time and space to make the changes that you need to do, but be determined and have the willpower to make those changes. Um, and then in terms of, of finding me, Anyone could find me, um, you know, on the internet. They can find me at marksklar.com, where I've got a YouTube channel and a a fun Instagram page um, if they want to follow as well, um, at the Fertility Expert. And uh, if you're local in San Diego, then you can find me at reproductivewellness.com. Awesome. And I will make sure that I have the links all on my, uh, the show notes for for all my website. This will be maddiemoon.com slash mbm. 59. So head on over there and you can get the show notes and all the links to find Mark and the awesome work he's doing in this world. So are you ready for the quick fire round? I think so. Okay. Awesome. So number one, if you had a last meal, what would it be? If I had a last meal, what would it be? Uh, Filet mignon with French fries. Ah, excellent. What is a current book you are loving or reading? Um, I like it. I love adventure books and so and and something that based off history. So I'm actually reading the, the Born Identity series right now and I love it. Oh, nice. Um, who is your biggest inspiration, dead or alive? Ooh, uh, my biggest inspiration, dead or alive? My grandfather, who's Aww. passed away, unfortunately. Aww. 
That's so sweet. Um, can you share a good quote with us? Any quote that you love? My favorite quote, which is on a lot of my material, is um, live always and love well. I love it. That's amazing. Um, favorite animal? My favorite. Um, I like gorillas. <laughs> um, what is a future dream that you're working towards currently? Future dream. Um, just trying to spend as much time with my family as possible and watch my kids grow up. Mm, that's amazing. Um, what is your favorite way to distress at the end of a day? And I love listening to music. So anytime I can just get a little bit of time and listen to music and uh, cook, um, that's awesome for me. And last but not least, what is a country you have visited and loved or a country you want to visit? I visited New Zealand many years ago, and I love it. I was only there for a short period of time, and I'm dying to go back. Oh, that's amazing. Did you see any Hobbit houses? <laughs> Unfortunately, it was before they, they made the movies, but oh, uh, that's one of the reasons why I want to go back. Yeah, me too. That's, some, that's <laughs> definitely a place I want to hit up. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the show today. I think the stuff that you talked about was amazing. And I'm, I definitely encourage all of my listeners to go to your site and check you out because this is a, I mean, this is a problem of our world, not just between me and my neighbors, but a lot of women are struggling with this. So the more knowledge we can learn about this, the more we can help others that are going through the same thing. So thank you so much for sharing this with us. And we'll have to have you back on the show sometime. Well, it was my pleasure. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Maddie. All right. Catch you later. Okay. Sounds good.